The following sermon was given on Sunday, September 16th, 2018, at St. Paul's Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. On our gospel. When Jesus comes onto the scene, he does so in the context of the Roman Empire. From day one, Holy Scripture sets him against the most powerful empire the world has ever known, albeit in a way that no one was expecting. When he enters his adult ministry, he begins using an interesting phrase, one that only appears in the New Testament and mostly in the Gospels, kingdom of God. Jesus spends much of his ministry talking about this kingdom, this overarching super reality of God. Oh, sure, Jesus performs miracles. He heals the sick, he raises the dead and feeds multitudes. But if you really want to know and get to know Jesus, listen to what he says about the kingdom of God. He says it belongs to children to the poor and the poor in spirit. He says that prostitutes and tax collectors, those who are looked down upon by the wealthy and the powerful would enter the kingdom of God first. He says it's something like a woman who is searching for a coin and when she finds it, she breaks out into celebration. He says that it is at hand, but not yet in hand. Jesus has a lot to say about the kingdom of God, this overarching super reality that stands against the powers of his and every age. But in order to more fully understand what Jesus means by kingdom of God, we must pay attention to how Jesus leads. Today's sermon is about that, about how the revolutionary capacity for compassion exemplified by Jesus radically changes the world by, not show, by showing how powerless worldly power actually is and by showing us a more excellent way of love. The kingdom of God is defined not by power, but by higher, nobler ideals like compassion sacrifice, humility, and mercy. By the time we encounter our gospel story today, Jesus has been on a miracle tour of sorts. After healing the Gentile woman's daughter and the man who was deaf and incapable of speaking, stories we heard last week, Jesus takes his miracle tour to an even grander scale, taking a few fish and loaves and using them to feed thousands of people before healing yet another man, this one suffering from blindness. He had amassed a, a reputation, a following, an entourage. Everywhere he went, crowds kept following him. He was creating quite the ruckus. On his way to the next stop on his tour, Jesus asks his disciples about his reputation. What are people saying about me, he asks. Some say that you're Elijah, come back to earth, they say, and some say you're John the Baptist. But what do you think 
about me, he asks. Now, Peter, who can hardly contain himself, goes, ooh, 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 pick me, pick me. You're the Messiah. Shh, don't say that so loud. Now, I've always wondered about this. Why does Jesus keep telling people not to share who he is? Isn't this literally the opposite of evangelism, sharing the good news? What follows here is important. Jesus explores how his concept of Messiah is different than what many have come to expect. Many expected the Messiah to come in with an army and to create the kingdom of God by force. They thought a conquering general would come and overthrow the Roman Empire and restore the historic kingdom of Israel to greatness again. But Jesus had a different idea. The Son of Man must undergo great suffering, he says, and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed and after three days rise again. That is not what people were expecting. This idea that the Messiah was going to die angered Peter so greatly, he wanted his Messiah to kick butt and take names. But when he tries to rebuke Jesus, Peter actually winds up on the receiving end of the ultimate rebuke. Get thee behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. In this singular exchange, Jesus makes clear that the kingdom of God cannot and will not be imposed. It must be served and loved into fulfillment. If you want to know where the kingdom of God is, go where loving service is being offered with a joyful heart. It isn't just Jesus' early followers who are asked to think about leadership differently. It is us as well. The church of Jesus Christ, those who are called to take up the mantle of his movement and to spread his message of love and compassion throughout the world, must always consider the radical implications of Jesus' style of leadership. Leadership in the kingdom of God is not about notoriety. It's about taking up our cross and following. Now, in the earliest days of his movement, Jesus' followers would have heard this very differently than we hear it now. The earliest followers of Jesus, right after the crucifixion and the crucifixion of many of the apostles, would have heard this as an invitation to martyrdom, a willingness to literally lay their lives down for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Most of us will never be called upon to take up that sacrifice. But that doesn't mean that we are not called to take up our cross and to follow. This is not an optional part of Christianity. This appears to be part and parcel to his message. Jesus was so committed to this plan of God that he was willing to follow it through even to the point of death on the cross. Leadership in the kingdom of God looks like service. It isn't about power, but humility. It isn't about domination, but support. 
It isn't about cruelty, but compassion. It is not about abuse, but wholeness. Jesus didn't die on the cross because he was humble and a compassionate servant. He died because people believe that this level of compassion would change the world and dethrone the powers of his age. People hungered for this type of leadership. When people began to notice him, they noticed that he taught about God through this lens of compassion and grace. He taught that the kingdom of God in that kingdom power and privilege would be dethroned for the sake of equality and mutuality. He taught that the kingdoms of this world will soon pass away. He showed us the power of love, and when love came face to face with hatred and death, love came out on top, rising from the grave with all power in heaven and earth in his nail-scarred hands. This is how Jesus leads. This is a glimpse into that overarching super-reality of God. This is, what, this is what has already changed the world and made all things new and continues even to this very day, right now. Jesus overthrows our hearts not with his power, not with his might, not with force or coercion. Jesus overthrows our hearts with what we truly long for, rivers of compassion, wells of justice, oases of peace, oceans of grace, fountains of mercy. His kingdom does not ride on the wings of a conquering army, but in the humble act of serving those in need, advocating for those who have been left behind, welcoming those who have been cast aside, and comforting those who are sick or in pain. Too often the message of Christianity has been the opposite. Too often too many have sought to bring the kingdom of God closer by violence or coercion, through wealth and privilege, the might and human will. But the kingdom of God doesn't work that way. Jesus is a different kind of Messiah, the kind we need. He's an alternate kind of leader. He is one who changes the world with love and compassion and invites each one of us to do the same.